Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When we were little, even littler, we did this sort of family activity summer thing, which... Basically, was sort of daycare, but I mean, also kind of like when I explain it to people, sounds like child labor. Yeah. Because we were just sort of sent to a local farm where they would like look after your kids in exchange for your kids doing like minor supervisory tasks around around the farm and it was lambing season so as a six to nine year old I was regularly spent my Easter holidays with my hands in pregnant goats just yank a small goat out of a bigger one yeah and then just a very like no nonsense farmer lady in no nonsense farmer lady enormous like thigh high galoshes just I remember those galoshes because castrating goats so when you when you get like a little bit older and they teach you about the birds and the bees and we had this incredibly knit your own hummus hippie lovely biology teacher person who was talking about the miracle of birth and how birth is just so beautiful and I remember when I had my own children and I just felt so connected and I was just like no I've seen it it's horrible you get kicked by tiny tiny hooves there's Comments. blood everywhere and there are and there are goats who sometimes scream like real human men and I'm so and, tired and I'm so tired, <laughs> so tired of- I love that cartoon goat who screams like a man I'm so tired <laughs> It's it's so relatable. But yeah, this is why when like the, that was a, this is kind of like post hoc, but when I read Shulamith Firestone who talks about the brutality yes. of birth, like shitting a pumpkin. <laughs> is that's that what she a, says. Oh yeah, Christ, that is an actual quote. Is that I thought you were just sort of no, in, no, no, inspired by like, strange imagery. Um that really resonated me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Actually, she's she's totally on it. And I can completely see why one of the technological medical horizons that she points out as a, a, a sort of transitional demand for liberation of women and, you know, anyone with a womb is to, to technologically overcome the necessity of, you know, making people by by squeezing them out your vagina which is you know quite an inefficient process really anyway 
Today, we're talking about abortion. Welcome to the Sisterhood Podcast. Welcome. Today, we are talking about abortion and reproductive rights because there is a huge pushback around the world against people's right to reproductively self-determine. And I thought I would start with a thought experiment that comes from the philosopher Judith Jarvis Thompson. So, imagine that you wake up one morning in hospital. You've no idea how you got there. But in the bed next to you is somebody you recognize from the TV as a famous violinist, a world famous violinist. This person is so, so talented that he's been on all the national programs. It's definitely a he in this thought experiment. And you are connected via a series of tubes to this violinist. Obviously you wonder what on earth is going on. And a nurse comes over and says, Look, I'm really sorry, we didn't have time to explain and wake you up, but this violinist is going to die. And the only way he's not going to die is if you, specifically you, stay in this bed for nine months with your body hooked up to his. And um, it turns out that you're the only person in the world whose vital fluids can keep this violinist alive. So would you mind just staying hooked up to this guy for nine months and then it will be obviously be very traumatic and painful being detached from this guy and there will be you know a risk to you there's a there's a risk to your health even a small risk to your life but otherwise this violinist is going to die so would you mind and what Judith Jarvis Thompson is asking here is in that situation are you morally obliged to stay hooked up to that violinist and what she says is no no, of course you're not. You're not morally obliged, let alone legally obliged. It might make you a nice person if you did, but it, if you didn't, people would understand. There's no social or legal obligation on you to stay hooked up to that violinist for the same reason that we don't force people legally to give up their organs to other people. You, nobody can legally, in this country at least, make you donate a spare kidney. Thompson is saying that this is what we should think about when we think about abortion. She wants to move the debate away from whether abortion is taking a life and when life starts in the womb or not in the womb. She wants to ask us, even if it were able to be proved that abortion is the taking of a human life, what then? And let's move the debate on and say, even if it was like that, are women or, or anybody who can give birth morally obligated not to have abortions and she says no no they're not if we think about it in this way it might make them nice people if they were prepared to host that life and painfully give birth but there should be no moral obligation yeah i think this is the fundamental point right because even in the most sort of quote-unquote fundamentalist christian interpretations mm of the Bible or of any of the sort mm. of Abrahamic texts, the idea that life begins at conception was was never really a settled yes. fact. Like this is why they had the idea of uh, the quickening of the yes. fetus, the idea that the fetus becomes a person when it starts kicking, right? Yeah. It sort of makes, it makes a sort of intuitive mm -hmm. sense when you have, when you don't have the medical technology to kind of uh, examine the pregnant body in any other way. But the point is that any debate around abortion that takes as its central point the, the personhood of the fetus 
also adjudicates on the personhood of the woman because it completely erases them as a legal end in themselves. Like, their rights, their life, their ability to Mm self-determine is a completely moot point. Those are the, the things that make you a legal person. The idea that your life is the end point and the determiner of a value of a law. But in abortion law, that's simply not the case. Right, so this brings us back to the key question which we're looking at today, which is what is the social purpose of banning abortions? Why is this pushback all over the world happening right now? And is this connected to the rise of reactionary forces? The thing that I find interesting and troubling about the reasons put forward for banning abortions or for curtailing women's access Mm. to them is the fact that they regroup a whole host of different constituencies of interest groups and different Mm. reasons and they all cohere around the necessity of controlling women's lives by controlling their bodies like the central point is control and when you have that as a sort of organizing logic then other reasons will be found right that's why as, as soon as there is pushback against the idea that, for instance, a woman should have the right to determine her own health, then the question becomes not about health, but about social responsibility and your responsibility towards future generations. Mm. And when your responsibility towards future generations becomes defeated by people who are saying, oh, maybe it's actually more responsible to allow people to plan their own families and make sure that people have the medical Mm. means to maybe uh, determine their own financial situations, for instance. Then the goalpost gets moves again and it turns back into a question of religion. The goalposts are constantly moving. The only thing that unites them is the fact that the idea of women having control over their own lives and bodies is utterly terrifying and, and it cannot be countenanced. Yeah. And this is so, so important to the way we're talking about gender and about the idea of the family right now. There is a huge panic over fertility and over particularly it's involved in racial politics recently. Um, The idea that white women are somehow being outbred and so particularly within traditionally white Christian countries and racist far-right or far-right tending administrations, there is even more anxiety, although not always explicitly said, to make sure that white women as well don't have any capacity to consent to what happens to their own bodies, that white women are essentially forced to give birth to white babies. And this is not a new phenomenon by any no. by any stretch of the imagination this idea of the of the fertile white woman mm. of the of the necessarily legally obliged fertile yeah. white woman is at the heart of white supremacist yes. systems of power because of this fear of being quote unquote overrun by mm. populations of people of color really but being overrun by the means the idea that they might demand to be treated as citizens on yes. an equal footing with everyone else that's exactly what they're talking about right these systems of control that operate via women's bodies aren't just about banning abortions and making certain women's bodies more productive yeah. they're also about making other women's bodies less productive. Mm-hmm. Like if you look in the post-bellum period in the US, what you have is this 
enormous population of recently freed slaves and the white administrations made no secret of the fact that they were absolutely terrified by this prospect and what was needed to be done is, is an enormous curtailing of black populations, especially black educated mm. populations, that they saw as, you know, even more of a threat to the white establishment. So how did they do and, that? And that very brutally, essentially, there were programs of enforced sterilization oh. that took place in the US up until, you know, as recently as the 1970s. And the bodies of black women, in especially, but also other women of color, like mm. Puerto Rican women, were used as sites of medical experiment mm. around gynecological issues more broadly. And this is all organized around the logic that these quote unquote surplus populations were a threat to the uh, structures of power more generally and so had to be stamped out. And this is exactly what I think a lot of the debates around abortion at the moment are missing, is because the fact that reproductive freedom is not just about the ability to say no, yes. it's also about what the ability to say yes would yeah. look like. Because there is that cliche, obviously, which is used all the time in the pro-choice movement, which is saying that, well, all these forced birthers, all these quote-unquote pro-life people are not interested in children the moment they're born. They want to protect the rights of the child, but as soon as that child is born, there's no welfare, there's no education, no mm. health care. The child can basically go and fend for itself. But actually, it, it's a cliche, but it gets to something quite important, which is that real reproductive freedom, the choice whether or not to have a child or to have a family, also involves being able to freely choose to have one Is without having that choice predetermined by economic conditions. Exactly. And I think there's a very worrying and um, kind of pretty racist genre of pro-choice arguments using mm. the figure of the quote-unquote well, it's the welfare queen in the US yeah. and it's the single mother, like heavily racially coded yeah. in the UK as the justification for why we should legalize abortions. Because, you know, you know what about these like incredibly patronizing? So it's like, but, you know, what if they have no choice? You know, they can't raise their child. It's like, actually, that's, you know, yeah. that's incredibly, incredibly patronizing and just rearticulates the idea that like abortions are okay and like not reproducing is okay if you're not a member of like a certain like affluent middle class right but the focus now is still on sexual control and social control of women as a way of controlling unwanted pregnancy and unwanted populations and, mm -hmm. and that's why you know the abortion and the idea of consent are so wedded together because the argument you hear more and more, especially coming out of the US, but also coming out of Ireland, mm -hmm. is if you didn't want to have a child, you should just close your legs. If you didn't want Jesus. to have a kid, they literally say that. There's the, the um, oh, the contraception we used to use back in the day that American center, I think it was Todd Aiken said, was just, you know, we got girls to keep an aspirin between their knees. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Wow. This, um, yeah, but 
this idea that the only form of control and choice women should ever be allowed to have, and it is, and I'm saying women partly because this debate is heavily gendered. The people making this argument aren't thinking about controlling the wombs of people who are not women but have uteruses because that just doesn't exist in their radar. Yeah. <laughs> For these people, the only form of control over their bodies women are ever allowed is the ability to say yes or no to sex. But then, of course, the ability to say yes or no to sex is also heavily contested. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So what this is about is transparently, you know, if you push it even a little bit, it's about punishing women for having sex. The people who talk about, oh, you should just keep your legs together, what they're doing is saying that the legal system should be geared towards punishing women for making the kind of decisions that men make all of the time. Mm. This is why the standard exceptions for victims of rape, they're used as a sort of a limit case to test the convictions of people who are against abortion. Often you'll get people who will be really against abortion apart from in cases of rape, which is so infuriating. So hypocritical. Yeah, it's like I almost have more respect for people who say, no, never, it's always murder. It's like, what makes it less, if you really, genuinely, truly believe that to have an abortion is to kill a person, what makes that different if the way that person was formed was a non-consensual sex? What's different is that the woman didn't want the sex, so she doesn't deserve the punishment for her desire. Exactly, exactly. This idea of control of reproduction as a way of punishing women for not acting as society deems that women should act is something that is incredibly focused on repurposing in the legal system what used to have much more cultural 
currency, which is the idea of you know the the angel of the house, yes, the woman yeah. as the center of the bourgeois family unit. Obviously, that's not got the same cultural urgency behind it, but practically speaking, mm. we shouldn't ignore the extent to which that that is still a reality. Obviously, the vast majority of women in the UK have jobs as well as um, paid jobs, uh, paid jobs as well as being obliged to do the unpaid work of domestic labor, etc. But there's also the the sense in which the controls around reproduction is a way of conscripting women forcibly into reproducing society. Like when mm. you when you make someone have a baby and you're in a society in which women perform that labor overwhelmingly for free and overwhelmingly in private and overwhelmingly completely abandoned by structures of state welfare that might alleviate that burden what you're doing is you are forcing someone into a lifetime of unpaid work like this is why like abortion rights are workers rights mm-hmm. as much as health and safety at work is an abortion right. This is why, um, say, like 1970s feminists were talking about every miscarriage is a workplace accident. Obviously, yes. they were trying to be provocative yeah. in that. It was, quite, it was, you know, knowingly sort of outrageous. But what it does is that it calls attention to, like, okay, we've talked about the idea that it is a matter of urgency for certain constituencies, especially, say, you know, you have capitalists on one hand wanting more workers and white supremacists on, on the other and wanting more white people. Yep. That takes work. Those people need to be produced somehow. Yeah, um, and, and it's women largely who are expected to make that happen. Yeah, and we shouldn't be naive about the fact that a lot of women are signed up oh, to these yeah. ideologies as well, right? Yeah, capitalists are not all men. White supremacists are certainly not all men. It just so happens that it rearticulates a patriarchal style of ruling which overwhelmingly benefits men Mm. but I think we should interrogate the emotional value and the political value behind these ideologies and what a lot of women get out of it because you know when I've done things like I've done escorting uh, women into abortion clinics to try to sort of dampen the effects of yeah, uh, 40, put your body of, between yeah 40 days for life anti-abortion pro- protesters trying to guilt these women out of making decisions out of their own lives the vast majority of people there are are women yeah which i find really fascinating and because the abortion debate takes a lot of its sort of emotional urgency and emotional tenor by the fact that a lot of people who are anti-abortion themselves, not the people legislating, but the yeah. people who will argue for it, the people who will make it a cultural currency, and because um, mm. like women are responsible for a lot of cultural reproduction as well, in like in the home. Oh, you know, your nan who had, you know, like our nan, our nan, yeah, who, who had like who had six kids, and whose and whose life and whose sort of life work was very much bound up with making sure these kids were fed and that they got to school yes. okay, and like the idea that pointing out that those burdens of work are unfair and that she should have had you know more choice over yeah. that can seem like uh, like a rejection yeah. of the choices that she made which is exactly where the whole the ability to say yes comes in because we should be able to say to 16 year old mums that like they are beautiful and that they completely have the choice and should have the support 
to be able to have kids if they yeah. want to. You should be able to make that choice in a positive, non-coerced way. Because if you can't make it in a non-coerced way, it's not a real choice, and it's not a, it's not a positive way to build a family. But I think bringing us back to our original question, what is the social and political purpose of the crackdown on abortion rights? You're saying we're saying it's keyed into white supremacy and mm. into and into a pushback against workers' rights around the world, right? Yeah, and I, this is why we need to, I think, push back against a very centrist justification for migration. Mm. Uh, I know this sounds like tangential, but bear with me. All right. Because a lot of arguments for it, particularly, say, in Germany, where yeah. you have an enormous influx of migrant populations coupled with an aging population among German citizens, that's justified on the basis of immigrant people tend to have more children mm. than people who like were born in that country it's like a statistical phenomenon and this incredibly creepy fixation on the bodies of migrant women as this sort of promise of economic renewal is just the flip side of the same ideology that sees the bodies of women and the bodies women of color especially as just this kind of like natural resource that can be used when convenient but disposed of when inconvenient and so the response to that argument is the britain is full argument this is actually it's it's not it's not really an ideological response it's just to say that putting different facts into the same really really messed up way of understanding the world it's so creepy and, and the idea that of social abortions, I'd love to finish on that. The idea that a social abortion is a bad abortion. You just had it because you wanted to, rather than because it was going to save your life or because there was some other medically necessary reason. It's like all abortions should be social abortions, ideally. You know, there's nothing wrong with making a positive choice that's just about your life. And everybody should be able to make that choice, no matter what background they come from. Yeah. I don't think there's any problem with making a social and, and a self-motivated decision about what you're going to do with your own body. If that's not... And you'd think that libertarians all around the world will be on board with this, but you unfortunately, uh, that seems to be their hard limit. This is why social abortions... Or that to make every every abortion a quote unquote social abortion is, to my eyes, an incredibly powerful transitional mm. demand because what that does is that you think, okay, what would it take for every abortion to be a social abortion? And that would take a complete upturning of the way we think people quote unquote like earn the right to live. It, it yeah. demands you know, an enormous amount of of free healthcare, it demands free childcare, it demands universal basic income, wages for housework, all of those things. I think that sort of, as a as a critical demand, is I think perhaps like I want it to be the new the new wages for housework. I honestly social do. abortions for everyone. Social abortions right. for everyone. Yeah, that sounds great. All right, let's work on that. Sign me up. You've been listening to The Sisterhood, a podcast from New Statesman. If you'd like to support our work, go online and subscribe at newstatesman.com. Thank you.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.